listening to a Drishti Point podcast. Please visit our website for more inspiring interviews on yoga, spirituality, and wellness. Welcome, Geshe Michael Roach. It's wonderful to have you on our show. Geshe Michael Roach, you are one of the founders of the Andan International Diamond Corporation, and in addition to the time that you've spent as a monk in the monastery, you also have been very successful in translating the wisdom of Buddhism and applying it directly to the principles of business and achieving success in business. And I believe that's part of what you're here in Canada to do as part of your tour this summer in June and July. I'd like you first to welcome you here and I would love to hear more about your tour and the book that you've recently come out, The Karmic Management. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. Uh, I, I went to India when I was, I don't know, 20 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I, I met the Dalai Lama and I, I entered a monastery there and uh, studied with the Tibetans for 25 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that process, you take an examination uh, called Geshe. And it means in my monastery, there are over a thousand monks, and uh, they question you. Each one questions you in public, uh, and it takes about three weeks to finish. Uh, then if you pass, you, you get a big hat, and then normally you can relax for the rest of your life in the monastery. And, uh, <laughs> and so... Uh, I was the first Westerner to pass. My monastery is 600 years old. Uh, and uh, then my teacher took me into a room and he said, you have one more examination. You know, and I said, I didn't hear about any extra examination. And, uh, he said, uh, I want you to go to New York and start a business uh, and prove that you understand how karma works uh, and how karmic seeds uh, work. And I want you to do it in a, you know, in a worldly setting and not just sit in the monastery. So I, I said, look, the reason I came to the monastery is I don't want to do business. And I, I'm not interested in, in that kind of success, you know. And, uh, but he insisted that if I didn't uh, try to use my understanding of karma in the real world, then I, I couldn't really test it and I couldn't see if I understood it correctly. So we had sort of a standoff for about six months, and then he won. (laughs) (laughs) He's very tough. Then uh, I came to New York, uh, and I started a diamond business, and uh, there were three three of us started the business. And we started with a loan. Uh, I I had $7 at the time. And uh, now, uh, then I applied the rules of karma that that I learned in the monastery. Uh, during my time there. And now, uh, last year, the company reached $250 million per year and uh, was sold to Warren Buffett, uh, the investor. And then we, we gave all my money, I gave to the Tibetan refugees. And uh, they are uh, typing. We set up computer centers in the refugee camps, and they are typing in their classical literature and we put it up on the web for free, uh, and we pay them, uh, and mostly women, uh, because they don't. There's no work in India that they're not allowed to own uh, businesses in India, because they're they don't have passports. Uh, so, 
uh, and then I, I don't know, Doubleday uh, Publishers in New York called me, I don't know, 10 years ago, and they said, would you write a book about how you did that? Uh, because it was the fastest growing manufacturing company in the history of New York. And then I said, well, it's all, it's all using karma. And then they said, uh, well, will you write a book about it? So I wrote a book called The Diamond Cutter. And uh, now that reached, I think it's about uh, 40 countries now. Uh, people have translated it. It's, it's used a lot in China. I think there's about 3 million people using it in China. And, and uh, so people asked me to go around the world and give talks about how to be successful. So I, I started giving talks. And um, for example, in China, I go a lot to China. Mm-hmm. And, uh, which is important for me because of the tension between Tibetans and Chinese. Yes. And uh, so I, I, I go a lot there, and we have business seminars to teach people how to be more successful, whether you're, whether you're an executive in a company or whether you own a company. Then we have these small uh, breakout groups, mm-hmm. and uh, people get to ask their personal questions. And uh, what, what happened on the first trip was uh, the first person asked me a business question, and then the second person asked me, if they could use karma to fix their husband. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, everybody in the group started asking that kind of question. And uh, so now when I give talks, oftentimes uh, we start with uh, success in the financial sense, but then we move on to personal relationships. And then my interest is to, to use it on a global level in the sense of maybe using uh, the principles of karma to stop war or to stop hunger in the world and poverty. And uh, so that's, that's what I do. Now, that's what we're Yeah. Now tell me, you know, uh, karma is such an important concept in the spiritual path. And I'd mm-hmm. love to hear you just elaborate specifically on um, this whole concept. What does it mean? How do we understand it? How does it become useful to us? And maybe to illustrate some of that with examples that would be useful in a business context. Okay, good. Uh, let's say, um, I don't know. I, I would give an example very quickly, okay? Okay. Uh, this is how I usually try to teach karma to people. So I have in my hand an object. It's a black cylinder. And uh, I ask people, what is this thing, you know? And then they say, oh, that's a pen. And then I say, well, if a dog came in the room and I wave this thing in front of him, then what would he do? And then people say, oh, the dog would, would chew it. The dog would chew the thing. And then, I, then in, in our monastery, where a lot, of the, a lot of the understanding or study is done by questioning. So, and this, I don't know if you've seen Tibetan debating, but it looks like karate. <laughs> you, you question and uh, somebody has to give an answer. So you, then you would ask the person, well, is the dog right or the human is right? And then most people would, what would you say? Both are right. Yeah, that's right. So both of them are right. You see, the dog's not less right than the human. To a, to a dog, it's a chew toy. To a human, it's a pen. And then you say, the next way you go is you say, if I take this object and I set it on the floor... And the human goes out of the room, and the dog goes out of the room. Then which one is it? Aha! Then which definition is right? Is it a pen at that time, or is it something to chew on? 
if the drug goes out and the human goes out. Well, I would say at that point it's pure potential what it could be. It could be anything. Good, yeah, perfect, perfect. So that potential, uh, that potential where it's, it's like a white movie screen, like it just depends what you play on it, you see? Uh-huh. Uh, in Buddhism we call that emptiness, okay? So there are a lot of wrong ideas about emptiness, many, many strange wrong ideas. Some people say blackness, some people say voidness, some people say illusion, some people say nothing matters, but, but really classically, uh, when you take this thing, which is a pen to a human and which is a chew toy to a dog, and you leave it on the floor and the human goes out and the dog goes out of the room, then it becomes potential. It just becomes uh, blank potential. Uh, then uh, that's emptiness. Then you need emptiness to have karma. So the, the pen then sitting at the, on the floor of the room, or the black stick, right, sitting on the floor of my room, uh, that's... Uh, available. And then if I walk in the room, if a human walks in the room, they will see a pen. If a dog walks in the room, they will see something to chew on. So then uh, we ask the question in the monastery, why does the human see a pen? And why does the dog see something to chew on? And then they will ask you a question. They'll debate you and they'll say, they'll hold up the pen and they'll look at the side. They'll say, is the pen coming this way towards the pen? Or is the pen coming towards your eye? <laughs> is the pen coming from the pen side, or is the pen coming from your side? I, would, you I would say it's coming from the human side. It must, because uh, the dog sees something different. Yes. I mean, if it was coming from its side, then the dog would see the same thing, you see? Then the dog would write some poetry to his <laughs> uh, girlfriend. You have a beautiful tale. Uh, like that. So, we say the, the we say there very briefly, that's a proof that the pen is coming from our side. Uh, then, then the next question is, how do you, why do you see a pen? And, and we say there's a seed in your mind. Uh, there's, a, there's some kind of an energy or a seed in your mind. And when I hold up this object and you look at it, then that seed opens very quickly, like in a microsecond, that seed opens in your mind. And then an image comes out of your mind. And, and, you, and it comes out to the stick, the black stick. And then you see a pen. Uh, then the big question becomes, how do you plant that kind of seed? You see, if you want to see a pen, how do you plant a seed in your mind for a pen? Because that seed is what karma is. Karma is seeds in your mind that you plant. Uh, karma normally can only be created by, with other people. You need other people. And in the case of a pen, we say the seed for a pen is planted in your mind by offering a pen to someone who needs a pen. Uh, so your mind is like a video camera. Uh, your eyes are connected to your mind, and your, your eyes, when you offer a pen or you give a pen to somebody else and you reach out, and with kindness, with love, you, you offer them a pen, then your mind records that, and, and that plants a seed in your mind, and that's karma, that's called karma. And then later, when someone holds up a black thing in front of you, that seed opens in the mind, and then out of the mind comes an image uh, that overlays the subject, and it's called a pen. You see? So, so when you uh, give something to someone of a positive quality, then yeah. that positive quality registers in them, and that's what creates karma and these seeds. Uh, 
let's mostly it's your own intention. Let's say intention. Uh, other, okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what is the main planter of karma in your own mind. So, someone needs a pen. I have a pen that I really like. Uh, they need a pen right now. Then I reach out my hand and I I put it in their hand and I say you can keep it. And then that intention and that love for the other person it plants a seed in my mind. Uh, many 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 seeds for pens. Let's say ten or a hundred seeds for pens. Then I I will never be without pens. You see, it's very interesting. So in the case of money, if you want to make money, if you're starting a business, then when we when we founded our business, we founded a refugee project that in the same week, and uh, that was our main what do you call it cash generation cash, technique. Cash flow, yes, yes. <laughs> so we see uh, we see charity or, or helping others as driving the financials of the business. They're not. It's not a side thing where you do charity because it's nice. In our perception, in in, in the idea of karma, uh, you must uh, you must help others financially if you want your business to succeed. You take a certain amount of your profits mm-hmm. every quarter, and you say give them to refugees, and that action plants seeds in in your mind, and then. Uh, Two weeks later, you're in a business deal, and and you have an opportunity to buy this product or that product, and suddenly you see the right thing to do. Uh, you want you get insights into business that other people don't get, and we say that seed is the same as the seed for the pen. And and you have put seed in your mind for money uh, by by helping others uh, financially. So that's just, uh, you know, it's not a very, what do you call it? It's not the final goal or something like that, but it's measurable. And that's what my teacher wanted me to learn. He, he wanted me, my lama wanted me to learn that uh, you can quantify karma. Uh, you can, you can, and then, you, then once you quantify it and once you've made a $250 million company, then you stop that. And then you work on world peace or, or you work on, hunger in the world, but you, you do that as a, what do you call it? To confirm the principles, you do something quantifiable, something measurable. Uh, and, so you're, and that's, you're yeah. in a sense, you're, you're proving the validity of those principles. Exactly. Yeah. Because people will believe you if you say, I use these principles to create a, they can look, we own jewelry.com. It's the most expensive uh, diamond and jewelry website in the world. And uh, they can look it up, and they can check it, and then they know that you're speaking from experience, you know. So then if you say, look, you have breast cancer, or your husband is criticizing you, uh, here, you can plant these seeds in your mind, and it will stop the breast cancer, or, or your husband will, will start praising you. Uh, because your husband and, and your health are also coming from you like the pen. We say everything is coming from your mind, like the pen. So, in the case of your husband, like, you must have planted some small, small seeds in the past by criticizing maybe somebody at work or something, or your mother. And then, uh, when you see your husband, it's like the pen, you see? Then the seeds open in your mind, and and he starts criticizing you. So, in in this system, you can shut him down. just by stopping the seeds inside of you. 
and you don't have to fight with him or argue with him. Or, you see, so we, we can apply karmic seeds to everything in your life. It's, it's very cool. You can apply it to your own health also. So that's the idea. And then uh, there, are, there are other seeds for happiness. And those, are, those are different. Um, and then you can plant those as well. Can, yeah. Is it possible that we can um, talk a little bit maybe about um, what to do when you recognize that the seeds you've planted maybe are weeds, are growing as weeds and not as flowers? Yeah. 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 Uh, what is the anecdote to do that? Like, I know the. Good, good. It's a good question. Uh, the Buddha wrote a book two and a half thousand years ago, and he called it The Four Powers. It's called Sutra of the four powers and uh, if you see that you have a particular problem uh, let's say your husband criticizes you or something like that then the husband first the first step is to recognize that it's your responsibility you know you must have criticized somebody you know maybe a month ago or six months ago in a very small way because the seeds are much smaller than the tree uh, <laughs> So you can criticize someone for a half an hour and then come home and get three weeks of it from your husband. Because in the mind, seeds work the same as in the ground, like how a small seed produces a huge tree. And uh, so you try to look back and you try to remember something you might have done, something small. If you can't remember, uh, then the main antidote for a seed is to make a resolution or a commitment uh, not to do that thing again. And you, you, you pick a time period. You say, okay, for one week I'll be super careful and I won't criticize anybody, even in my mind, you know, which is where the seeds are most powerful. And you say, even in my mind, for the next week I'm going to be really careful and not criticize anybody. Then we say that destroys the old seed. Now, uh, in, uh, in yoga, there's a, a word, a Sanskrit word called shankalp or shankalpa. Is, is there a word in, um, that was, that's used to describe that will or determination to do something? Yeah. Uh, generally, karmic seeds are called sanskara. Yes. Sanskrit or vasana. And uh, these are two kinds of, uh, in the yoga tradition, uh, these are two uh, separate ways to describe a karmic seed. And then the, the Yoga Sutra, for example, I translated it and I published it. Uh, it has a very famous uh, line. In It, it goes, uh, what's it? Very, very famous. So, uh, means uh, you will get in this, in the Yoga Sutra, it says hot or cool. Tapa means hot, like yes. tapas. Flada means uh, cool, like in Russian, holodna means cool, or like that. So it means uh, you will get hot or cool results, meaning uh, unpleasant or pleasant results. Punya apunya hatudvart. If you hurt other people or if you help other people, you see? So in the Yoga Sutra, the idea of seeds is uh, treated in that line. Uh, and then it says, Dershta, Dershta, Janma, Venenia. Dershta, like your radio show name, Dershta means seen, and Adershta means not seen. And then Vedaniya means you will have an experience, which is either seen or which is not seen. 
and and in, in ancient times that was a code word for you will experience that karma as a result in this life or in the next life. You see. So in my monastery, we spend a lot of time on learning how to make karmic results ripen dursta, like seen in this life, maybe in a week, maybe in a month, you know. Uh, so there are... There are through through uh, certain uh, techniques like meditation or through other kinds of maybe... Um, yeah, other kinds of techniques so that the more and more of the karma fr- uh, ripens now that you exactly. can... Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And there are four... Uh, there are four great techniques that were set forth in India like 16 centuries ago by somebody named Vasubandhu. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was following the Buddha. And then we've modified those for business mm-hmm. or for relationships yeah. or for your health. Uh, so we teach people. That's what we're coming to Canada to teach. So what we normally do, we give two uh, talks in the evening. In Like whatever city, we, we go all over the world. We've been to hundreds of cities. And we... The first two nights, we just get up and tell people about this kind of thing. Uh, and then they listen, and if they like it, then we take them on a three-day retreat. And then we really grill it into them. So for three <laughs> solid days, they get, they get the technique of how to speed it up and how to make it happen faster. And uh, that, we call that the technique. And uh, that explains why some people are generous, but they don't get any result, which is dushta, you see, which is seen in this life. They, they're very, they gave a lot of help to other people, but it seems like they're poor. Uh-huh. Or, and they don't, we say there are details that you have to follow. If you just throw seeds on the street, they won't grow. Uh, the seeds are fine, you know, this helping other people is correct. But the other parts of the technique have to be there. Yes, because the other thing is, uh, I was going to ask you, you know, many uh, of the scriptures in yoga and, and in Buddhism talk about not just one incarnation, but karmas over over many incarnations. So how do you do things in a way that you get the results or the fruits now? Because obviously if you're talking about business, we're talking about a very uh, limited time frame and very immediate one. Yeah, you're talking annual reports and <laughs> turn on investment. Yeah, uh, that's what we do. We teach. We spend a lot of the time uh, in the seminars uh, explaining how to speed up the process. And t- in Tibetan, it's called Shi Sampa Jorwa Tantu. These are four famous steps to speeding up a, a karma. Uh, just briefly, okay? I mean, yes. it would take three minutes. Of course. But she means... Uh, Let's say I want karma for meeting a partner, all right? Let's say I I don't have a partner and I want to meet a partner. So in in this system, you have to... Many people come to me and they say, Gejla, should I I go on the Internet or should I go to a club? You know, I want to meet a new boy, you know? And then I say, uh, I say, neither one, you know? And then they say, what do you mean? I said, you should go to a nursing home. You should find an old woman, you know, and you should take care of her. Maybe once a week, go talk to her, visit her, you see. Because what you want is, is companionship. Uh, what you want is someone to be with. So to, you have to plant the karma for that, you see. Then you plant that karma. In the case of money, you have to give money. In the case of a relationship, you have to give companionship. Uh, so you go to find a person who's very lonely, 
And you make a commitment to see them once a week or something like that. And then that plants a seed in your mind to meet a new partner. Then it, then it doesn't matter if you go on the net or you go to a club, you'll find them. Uh, and and it, it will express itself however, wherever you go, it doesn't matter. You can sit in a coffee shop, the guy will come. You see what I mean? So, she Sampajoratartuk means how do you speed it up? How do you make sure you're not 90 years old before the guy comes? And then she means uh, you should find a very, the most lonely person you can find. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you, uh, you, you, uh, to speed it up, the intensity yeah. uh, of what yeah. you're giving yeah. is what speeds up that process. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, that's uh-huh. the first step. Uh, uh-huh. The first okay. step means you should do it towards someone special, uh-huh. like very sick or very lonely. And no one cares about them, or they are ugly, and no one wants to be with them, or they are irritating old person. And find an irritating, ugly old person. And then, uh, <laughs> somehow means step number two means your motivation should be like very high, high motivation. Like for example, you could say, if if other people see me get a good partner because I helped a lonely person, then maybe they'll try it. And then maybe somebody uh-huh. will see them. maybe somebody will see them trying, and then maybe somebody will see that person, and then maybe somebody will see that person, and maybe I can change the whole world. So, so um, the intention may not. It, it helps to have an intention that just isn't focused on self and me, but maybe yeah. much broader and wider. Aha! Uh-huh, very good. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Maybe I could change the world by visiting this lady. Because if I get a really cute guy and people ask me how'd you get him, and then I say I visited an old woman. <laughs> then that idea will spread. Uh, slowly it will spread. Everybody will try it, right? If a, if a, if a monk with no business experience can make a quarter billion dollars, uh, you know, people ask me, how did you do that? And then we can spread uh, good ideas, you yes. know, like goodness, ideas of goodness. You, so that you, has to be intention. Your, your lama was very, very wise indeed. <laughs> it's funny because I was very angry when he sent me away. You know, I was very upset. And, uh, you know, we, they teach us you have to trust your teacher. But yes. I, I, I had a lot of doubt about it, you know. Uh, so then the third step is, uh, is how you give the help, you see. Like in the case of money, you can, hand, you can go to India and hand somebody money. And, it, and then they spend it in a week and it's all finished, you see. And then, or you can help them. What we do is we help them learn computers how to use computers. We, we buy the computers, we build them buildings in the refugee camps, and then we teach them a skill. And then they become independent. They don't need us uh, anymore. So in the case of, say, this person who visits an old lady, you would maybe give them the skill that they understand how to love themselves so they don't feel so yeah. lonely. Yeah, I like that. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh, okay. you, don't, you don't just visit them. And then go away and they feel bad again. Uh-huh. You know, uh, that can stay with them. Mm-hmm. For example, really, in the case of an old person, number three would be teach the old person to help another lonely old person. And that will change the seed in them to be lonely. You see? Uh-huh. Uh, so that's number three. Number four is very beautiful. Um, my lama, one day I came home and, and I was really tired from the diamond business and I was exhausted. And he said... You, you lay down on the couch and you, you have to do coffee meditation. 
And I'm like, what's coffee meditation? <laughs> and he said, lie down on the couch and uh, here, have some coffee. And he made me some coffee, you know. And he said, I said, don't I have to cross my legs? Don't I have to sit up straight? He said, no, no, you, you're going to do coffee meditation. You know? <laughs> then I said, okay, what's coffee meditation? And he said, well, today you had a hard day, right? I said, yeah. Then he said, you're very tired. I said, yeah. Then he said, did you meditate today? I said, how could I meditate? I'm exhausted. You know? <laughs> then he said, uh, I'll teach you step number four. And he said, uh, why did you go to work today? And I said, well, you told me to. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, what were you doing at work? And I said, well, we, we're making money and we're helping the refugees. You know. So he said, okay, do coffee meditation, sit on the couch, lie down on the couch, drink coffee, and think about what a noble thing you did today. You know, like you spent your whole day in a lousy business in New York and, and you did it for other people. And be happy. Just be happy about what you did. And then uh, he said, every time you're happy about doing a good karma, it plants the karma again. Aha. Uh -huh. Almost like you're watering that seed just by thinking of it. Yeah, exactly. Just exa exactly what you said then that's like the secret weapon, you know, that's what, I didn't give away enough money to make a quarter billion dollars, I didn't give away that much money, you know, I didn't have that much, but uh, if you go home and you, you practice being, not proud, right, but just uh, in a healthy way, you're very happy about the good things that you do, then that multiplies them inside the mind, and then you see, you get more results, you see, it's very beautiful. So those are the four, very quickly, that's the four, but that's what we do. In Vancouver, for example, we'll do two nights of public talks. Anybody can come. They can see, they can listen. And then if they, if they think, oh, I really want to try this, then they come to a three-day retreat, and we teach them special meditations, and we teach them more details on the, on the four. And so this, like this retreat will be held in Vancouver? In yeah, I, I don't know that. Yeah, it's close to Vancouver. We try to get people to a place where they have to spend the night mm -hmm. uh, because then they will focus on the... Uh, we, we keep them for, say, they come on Friday evening then all day Saturday and all day Sunday. And then to, to help the process, we teach them meditation. And then we have a very beautiful yoga, very, very easy, very gentle. Uh, we do it in the monastery. Mm -hmm. And it was invented by a woman uh, a thousand years ago in India. Mm -hmm. uh, her name was Niguma. And uh, then that, she taught that yoga to a Tibetan monk. And then it's been uh, passed down in our monastery uh, for a thousand years. And we modified it for busy people, or people like business people, or people who have to work, you know. So you can do it in like a half hour in the morning. And it makes you very healthy, very thin, strong, happy, you start to eat better be, because of the yoga. The yoga does something to your chakras. Uh, it's, she, des she designed it to work on your chakras. She was a very, very brilliant uh, teacher. And uh, it works on all of your chakras one by one. And then, like your desire for food is reduced just by the exercise and your, your anger or, you know, getting upset at work or getting upset in traffic, all of that starts to to go away. So we teach people that. And it's something you can do like in half an hour in the morning. I hate exercise. I hate yoga. Uh, and this one is great. And, uh, 
We teach it to business people because that kind of, uh, what do you call it? It increases your mental capacity. Uh-huh. And then you can... Now, tell me, you, you mentioned uh, at the very beginning of this interview um, how these principles you apply to business and now you would like these principles also to be used for other, other kind of, uh, in other areas like the area of peace and hunger. So is yeah. that where now in the next couple years you're, you're focusing your energy or are you still trying to uh, establish this model in the business world and then, and then hope that people will start to move into other realms? Well, what we find is a natural progression, you see. If you, like we had a gentleman in China, he was in Shanghai, and we, I taught him, I don't know, six, seven years ago, I taught him all these things. He came to a two-day talk, he came to a three-day seminar. Then he applied all of it carefully. And now he has a $20 million uh, company. He supplies most of the office products to Staples and things like that, okay? And, uh, and so, naturally, he was very, very happy and very grateful. And uh, the idea is you can't stop giving. You see, once you give, uh, let's say you give $100 and then uh, $1,000 comes back to you, then that $100 is finished and the seed is finished. When the seed opens and you get uh, a result or you find a boy, right, then the seed is finished. By the coming of the result, uh, by the growing of the tree, the seed is killed, you see. So... You can't stop, you see. After you find the boy, you and the boy have to go visit the old lady. Uh, all the time, or else the seed will wear out, you see. the seed. You have to keep replanting the seed. Uh, and it's the same in business. You can't stop. You have to... If you make a million dollars in 2011, then you have to give away 100000 And uh, if you expect the company to keep growing. So uh, what happens is that these business people get in the habit of helping other people. And they start to enjoy helping other people. And they see how much fun it is. And they see how happy it makes them. And, and then that begins to spread. Uh, the people they help start to help other people. Uh, and so really, uh, just helping people to understand how the seeds are creating their world, uh, that will change the world. It has changed. We're... We, we have invitations for the next three, four years. Uh, in, um, I, there are 70 countries uh, where people ask us to come. And, and it's just that people, it begins to spread from country to country. And it begins to spread from person to person. And then you can imagine a day when, you know, everybody understands that the only way to get money is to give it. And then... Um, Everyone's prosperous. In this system, there's no limit to the amount of wealth in the world. In this system, you're creating new wealth, new source of wealth. So, in theory, everybody who tried it would be wealthy. And then I think most of the reason for war and, you know, hunger, poverty, these are, these are lack of money, right? So, uh, uh, in the places where, in the cities where there are, growing groups of people doing this practice, there's just more competition to help poor people. <laughs> and uh, there's more competition to find lo the, the most lonely people and the most hungry people. And, and so I think just by spreading of this system, the world will be a... In the end, it must become a more peaceful place. Uh, 
the the Yoga Sutra has a famous line. It says, "Ahinsa pratishtayam tatsanidavarat yaga." It means uh, it means if you practice ahinsa as a way of life, ahinsa pratishtayam. Uh, Vairatyaga means uh, conflict will end in the world. Uh, Tatsani Dao means for you. For you, conflict will end in the world. So if you keep giving what you are hoping for, uh, the Yoga Sutra says, yeah? Yes. Uh, uh, your world will change. Your whole world will change. And uh, that's, a, that's, that's the ultimate goal. Yeah. A whole world like that. Yes. This has been really so wonderful to have this opportunity and yeah. to also have this opportunity for our listeners to listen to all that you've had to share with us, all the very precious insight and wisdom. Uh, let me check the dates. Uh, oh, we give the, uh, on June 29th, we'll give a talk uh, just for the Chinese community. Yes. Of Vancouver in Chinese. And then uh, June 30th and July 1st, we have those two nights of open talks in Vancouver. And then July 2nd and 3rd is the, uh, the, retreat, is the, re- is the retreat. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, please come. Be there, yes. I'm very much uh, looking forward to it. And yeah. I imagine more information can, is on the website of Three Jewels that is involved also in hosting your visit here. Uh-huh. And you can also on um, Diamond Cutter Institute. So our... You know, the whole organization is called DiamondCutterInstitute.com, uh, I guess it is. And uh, people can find information there. And one last question. Was there any um, any reason in, I mean, it was a diamond business, but any reason in calling it Diamond Cutter Institute? It's a beautiful question. You see, uh, when I asked my lama, what should I use as a business plan? Because uh, I, I didn't know anything about business, nothing, zero, you know. And uh, I was in the monastery for 25 years. Then he handed me a book. He handed me an ancient, ancient book. Uh, it was, it's two and a half thousand years old. It's the oldest printed book in the world, and it's called The Diamond Cutter. Uh, it's a sutra by the Buddha. And uh, he told and that's why we, that's why we called it The Diamond Cutter Institute. The, and and then the word diamond cutter is very, very, very important. And it, it means to do... Remember when I asked you what would happen if we set the pen down on the floor? Yes. The human went out and the, and the dog went out. And then I asked you what's left. And you said potential. And that's a very, very beautiful answer. That's a perfect, really perfect answer. And, and that potential in ancient times was called the diamond cutter. So you have to chew on that. <laughs> what's left when the dog and the human leave the room? Uh, <laughs> In ancient times, it was called Vajra Chedika, which means the diamond cutter. And, and it has a very profound meaning. Maybe we'll talk about it in Vancouver. Yes, I, I, I sense that, there's, uh, that it will take me a while to understand that, what you said. Yeah. So, uh, it grows in your mind. It, you know, you hear it the first time, and you're, okay, that sounds reasonable. <laughs> and, and then it grows, and then you use it more and more. You, you get success at, in your job. And then you say, let me try it on my husband, you know? And then you get success there. And then you try it on your health. And then you try it on your city and on your country and on your world. And it's very beautiful. Well, thank you so much. I wish there was a a better English word um, to express my gratitude (laughs) for your time and for your, your presence. Mutual. Mutual. See you then. Okay. Thank you for listening to Drishti Point. 
We dedicate our efforts to the health and happiness of our listeners and for the health and happiness of all living beings.